Welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio, where we are changing the way parents talk to their kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe in our rapidly changing world. You are your kid's best source of information and primary example. In these thought-provoking conversations, Robin and her guests seek to improve your relationship skills, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Now, here's your host, Robin LaCrosse. Hey everyone, welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. I am so excited to share this with you today. We are talking about pleasure. We are having a series around female pleasure. And I am super excited to bring to you today Sherry Winston. She is the publisher, the author of an amazing book called The Woman's Anatomy of Arousal. If you do not own this book, you should go out right away and get a copy of this book. I have the links on my website. Please feel free to go over there to Holistic Sex Ed Radio and get your copy. And I mean, run, don't walk to get a copy of this book for your own personal library. Like this is essential reading for everybody. So let me introduce to you Sherry Winston. I have been a fan of her work for years. She is the author of the award-winning Women's Anatomy of Arousal, Secret Maps to Buried Pleasure, which won the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists 2010 Book of the Year Award. And she's also the author of Succulent Sexcraft, Your Hands-On Guide to Erotic Play and Practice. She's also a contributor to the award-winning Secrets of the Sex Masters. Sherry is the founder of the Intimate Arts Center. She offers pleasure-centered sex ed for grown-ups with a wide variety of practical and transformational intimate arts education. Sherry's unique holistic offerings are informed by her 20 years experience as a sexuality teacher on top of decades of practice as a certified nurse midwife, gynecology practitioner, registered nurse, childbirth educator, and massage therapist. Sherry delights in inspiring people to have a lot more pleasure, fun, and fulfillment. I'm so excited to have you on the show today, Sherry. I've been a huge fan of your work for many years, so welcome. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. You know, I've been a fan of your work for so many years, and I absolutely love, 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 love your book, (laughs) The Woman's um, Anatomy of Arousal. Like, that book, I think, has been life-changing for so many women, and you know, you've got these these gorgeous, beautiful drawings of women's anatomy in there. And I'm really curious, like, because there's so many books, like textbooks, you know, just pictures out there that we're all accustomed to seeing that don't include any of the structures, you know, like the clitoris is just this magnificent structure. And yet, most of us only just know about the external little tiny part, you know, type thing. And so, I'm really curious, like, Like, what inspired you to put this book together? Like, how did you, like, find or come up with, like, figure out, like, where all these female parts belong and, like, give us a visual of them so that we can have a greater, deeper understanding of our body? Oh, good question. Well, um, I drew those anatomy images. Those are are my own artwork, which is... um, um, I've always been an artist. It's not what I've done as my livelihood, but it's something I've always done. And uh, and I had to draw them because 
the maps and models that we've been given of genital anatomy um, uh, for people who are um, born with a vagina um, are incorrect. They're, they're incomplete. And there's all these parts, all these really, really great parts, important parts. And uh, we just don't know that they're there. And when I say that, I, I want to, to kind of make it clear that um, I'm not saying that people are ignorant. It's just the information isn't there. And uh, I myself, um, so, you know, my background is I was a certified nurse midwife and gynecology practitioner. I was a childbirth educator. Before that, I was a massage therapist. I studied anatomy, you know, um, five different times. Mm-hmm. And I didn't learn this stuff. And I was already working as a midwife, um, you know, after my many, many years of education. And I came across a book called New View of a Woman's Body. And it talked about parts that I had never heard of. And I still recall the moment I'm reading the page and they're talking about vestibular bulbs. And I went, the what? Right. I've never, ever heard of these. How can that be possible with my you know, with my education that I don't know about this. And uh, I immediately um, checked it out on myself because I own the equipment. And sure enough, I was able to find the parts they were talking about. And that blew my mind. And it got me started thinking about, well, well, if I didn't know about this, and this is actually a pretty obvious part of the anatomy, once it becomes engorged, it's uh, pretty easy to find there these big wads of erectile tissue right under the labia. Um, So once I figured that out, that they were real, I started wondering what else was missing. And I started on what I now call my my quest, which was the the hunt for buried pleasure. Hmm. Uh, And uh, discovered other parts or parts that were sort of um, uh, known but not understood and started figuring out how they were all connected and how they function when... You're treating it as a, a whole system. And uh, then uh, I was teaching about it. Um, this, is, this is when I was still a midwife, when I was first figuring it out and started t- also teaching about it. And then when I went on to become a holistic sexuality teacher, um, I continued learning and teaching. And at a certain point, of course, realized I have to uh, write a book. I can't be sitting in a room with, you know, 30 women or or, or, and their partners or other, other people who want to know about this. I can't just be telling this small number of people about it over and over again. I need to put it in a book. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and of course, I also needed to draw the anatomy pictures. Because right, because they, they don't exist. exist. They mm-hmm. don't exist. So, I mean, I feel very lucky because I had been teaching it for years. So, I already uh, had some pretty good ideas about how to present it. And I knew what images I needed and how to show them in different angles and perspectives and, and sort of how to really guide people through so they would come out with a really deep understanding uh, of the equipment that they have or the equipment their partners have so they would know how to, how to operate it or how to, how to play the instrument um, beautifully, fully and beautifully. Yes, yes. And, you know, you mentioned a new view of a woman's body. That book, oh, my God, life-changing book life-changing book like and i'm sad i don't believe it's in print anymore and this book is like it's life-changing it like opened my eyes like 
I, I stumbled across it too in my quest for information, you know, and trying to figure out how my cycle worked and this kind of stuff. And it was truly an eye-opening book. And for you too, clearly life-changing. And, you know, that whole realization that, you know, it's like, there's so much missing, you know, like I, I went and got a textbook, you know, it's a 2013 you know, at the time it was brand new. It's like a year old or something textbook because I wanted to know what the doctors, the gynecologists were learning about the female cycle, about female anatomy, all this stuff. And they barely had the rudimentary information about how the cycle worked. And, you know, I didn't, look real hard. I didn't compare their book, their pictures to your pictures, but I already know there's like a lot of stuff they're missing. I can tell you, I actually, for years, every, you know, three or four years, I would go to one of the big bookstores that had all the different textbooks. And I was just like plant myself. And I would look at every single anatomy textbook um, or anything about female sexuality or, or and, uh, and nobody, nobody had it. And I still think that that's the case, even though I haven't checked lately. Yeah, well, and and it's like, you know, you have you have surgeons performing reconstructive surgery on you know men, women, you know, changing genders of people, and it's like if if they don't have a good understanding of these structures, like what kind of harm could they be doing to these people? You know, I mean, like there's nerve endings. I mean, there's, there's just so many different things. And it just, it kind of boggles me. Like, how can we have people like doing invasive procedures when they don't actually have a really good understanding about our anatomy? It's, it's so true that the health ramifications of this lack of knowledge are tremendous. I'll say also, um, one of the things I talk about is how the uterus is a player in arousal and orgasm. And I was taught it had nothing to, other than making babies, it had nothing to do with sexual function. And that's just not true. It, it is a player and it does have something to do with it. And so we have women who are being told to take their uterus out, to have hysterectomies. And, um, uh, in this, in the United States, we have this uh, crazy rate of hysterectomy, mm-hmm. uh, way higher than any place else in the world, because uh, they just don't understand that it still has it has many functions, mm-hmm. and so they just say, "Oh, you don't need it anymore. Yeah, you're done with your baby making years. Let's yeah. get rid of that. Yeah, just take it out. You know." And we're not talking about cancer here. I'm talking about all the non-emergency um, or non um, non-cancerous reasons. Mm-hmm. to take out a uterus and uh, which is about 95% of the surgeries. So mm-hmm. yeah, we, you know, but if women knew, if doctors knew that this was a, uh, a factor, you'd be thinking twice about it, hopefully. Yeah. Or at least have all the information, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, I think really important. And we run into the same too with like women who are dealing with cervical dysplasia. You know, there's a lot of invasive mm-hmm. treatments for the cervix, you know, taking biopsies. When I had biopsies taken, they told me, oh, your cervix doesn't have any nerve endings. You won't feel anything. It's like, excuse me, I felt that. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I felt that. That hurt. Yeah. And so it's, it's uh-huh. just the ignorance is really shocking. And it's a little bit disheartening too, you know, because when you have questions about your anatomy, you go to the doctor hoping for an answer and they can't tell you. They don't know either. <laughs> Well, you know, and obviously the, the, the big issue here is about pleasure and arousal Absolutely. and orgasm. Yes. And so you have a, a lot of women who have not yet found their path to orgasm. Yes. And they might be going to the doctor and saying, I have this problem. 
and the doctors don't know what to tell them. They don't know how to help them. They don't even understand the equipment, much less how to play it. Um, and, uh, and then you have women who wind up feeling broken. They feel bad about themselves. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they, they don't have orgasms easily, or maybe they don't have them in the right way, as if there is a right way. Um, mm-hmm. right? So you, you just got so many people walking around feeling broken and like a failure, there's something wrong with them. And instead of, of recognizing that um, nobody taught me, nobody gave me the correct information. It's like trying to find a, a, a swimming hole in the woods, but nobody gives you a map. You know, maybe you'll be lucky and you'll wander into the right place and maybe you won't and you'll never find it. And then there's nothing wrong with you. You just didn't get an accurate map to follow. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's really true. You know, when, when you say nobody taught me, like pleasure, talking about pleasure, I think is really challenging. Like every time I talk to parents of, of daughters in particular, and I ask them or start up a conversation around pleasure, like you want to talk about in, add instant discomfort Try, you know, having a conversation with a mom about talking to her daughter about pleasure. Like, mm-hmm. it's like, it's a total trigger. And I'm really curious, like, why is it so hard for women to talk about pleasure and also for us to talk to our daughters about pleasure? Well, and again, from a cultural perspective, we also don't teach it. So mm-hmm. even if someone got comprehensive sex education in school, and that's not even common, right? We've got lots of places where oh, yeah. the education they're getting is uh, the opposite of comprehensive. Um, we don't include pleasure in that curriculum. No. And almost uh, none of us have any experience with our own parents or teachers talking to us about pleasure. Mm-hmm. Um, we have no role models for how to talk with our partners or friends about pleasure. And then we sort of stick the parents in this position of, well, then it's your job. You've got to do it. And they have not a clue how to do it. And uh, and our culture is still so saturated with shame around sexuality, particularly female sexuality and women's pleasure. And um, it's kind of asking that people to do something really difficult and impossible, almost impossible. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I, when I was teaching, I uh, teach classes about this, teach classes for parents about how to talk to your kids, teach classes for teens about um, sexuality that included pleasure. But boy, there's just, there's not a lot of me's out there doing that. Uh, so I just say to parents, um, you've got to educate yourself. Yep. And then um, it's always good to start a difficult or uncomfortable conversation by saying how you feel, which is, wow, I feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> I feel really awkward having this conversation. Nobody ever had it with me. I don't even know how to do it, but it's so important. I really want to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also remind parents it's not one conversation. These exactly. are ongoing conversations, and we, we just have to keep looking for the little golden opportunities when they present themselves, whether it's a song lyric you hear on the radio in the car mm-hmm. or a, a little offhand comment that your kid makes or someone else uh, makes. Um, and look for those opportunities to give them the positive messages uh, and ask them, ask them, you know, what are you hearing about this? What do your friends say about this? What are you, do you talk to girlfriends about this? Or you're, you're, what's, what's going on? And um, 
And then we have that ongoing opportunity to challenge ourselves and hopefully gift our kids. And then also, oh, also, there's some wonderful books out there. Mm-hmm. And if nothing else, you can get your kid books and say, here's some books. Um, I'd love to talk to you about them, but you don't have to talk to me about it. Um, or maybe, you know, like I put a bookmark in my favorite place. <laughs> <laughs> they're here, they're on your shelf when you want it, when you need it. But you can become that adult the kids go to to find out, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because I have a son, and uh, there were any number of times when his friends would come to me with their questions, with their concerns, because they knew I was like, you know, I was the cool mom that they could ask. Right. And uh, so, you know, become that. Uh, and every time we overcome our own discomfort and shame, we're healing ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one last thing that you're going to pass on to your kid because we pass on our baggage whether we want to or not, you know, and they're going to pick up some mm-hmm. some piece of it in some way or another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there's a lot of ways to open that door for the conversation too, you know. I mean, the the whole conversation around pleasure doesn't have to start around sexual pleasure. It can be something as simple of like, oh, I feel the way this fabric feels, you know, sensual, sensuality, you know, is a form of pleasure. And, you know, there's definitely ways that we can open that door to that conversation without having to dive straight into the sexual pleasure conversation. Also, we have the opportunity to talk about boundaries and consent, Mm -hmm. things that we can be talking about with our kids when they're little, tiny kids, Mm -hmm. when they're first learning how to share toys with another kid or how to wash their themselves. Um, Even just naming body parts, Mm -hmm. right? When your kid is learning, you know, when they're little tiny and they're learning, you know, eyes, nose, knees, like don't skip over the genitals. (laughs) Right. Exactly. And know the name, the name of their parts. Yeah, penis, vulva, you know, it's like, don't teach your kid that that area down there is vagina. That's not proper, you know, it's like, it's vulva, you know, like, let's give the proper terms of anatomy, you know, and it's like, and if you're not sure, then, you know, get Sherry's book, get my, um, I have a webinar all about the female parts, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. there's so many amazing resources out there that, you Mm -hmm. know, we can use to open the door for this conversation. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and acknowledging that these are not always easy conversations and they're, they're not usually easy conversations. And the more we practice, the more skilled we become at having them. So, yes, yeah, start with your kids are little, though. Yeah. There's no reason to wait until you think they're about to have sex to right. start that conversation. That's a bit late. Yeah, it better, really is. Mm-hmm. Better late than never. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. But yeah, there's so many different aspects that we can start talking about that have nothing to do with sex, which lay the foundation for all of those conversations later on down the road. So we're going to take a quick commercial break. But before we do, I just want to remind everyone to go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com and sign up not only for reminders, but also for a chance to win a Leia 2 vibrator made by Fun Factory. Thanks so much, Fun Factory, for giving us three of them to give away while we are having this conversation around pleasure. So if you go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com, you can get access to all the show notes. You can get access to the giveaway. And also, if you want to see pictures, if you want to go deeper into this conversation, sign up for my web class. That's coming up in November. So again, HolisticSexEdRadio.com forward slash pleasure is where you will find all the cool stuff 
that's going on. When you sign up, you'll also get put right on the page that will have all the replays and everything right there, easy access for you. So go over to holisticsexedradio.com forward slash pleasure. All right, we'll be right back after this to talk about even more female pleasure. All right, we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Everyone wants more pleasure, yet pleasure is an uncomfortable topic. Would you be surprised to know that most women have never taken the time to fully explore their bodies in intimate or erotic ways? That's why I'm hosting a powerful and long overdue web class on understanding female pleasure. Go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com and click on the web class link at the top of the page for more information and to register for understanding female pleasure today. If you don't want to be pregnant, one of the most nerve-wracking experiences is a late period. Lying in bed, wondering, worrying, waiting for menstruation to arrive, praying that your period will come. It's very stressful. Even though many of us are taught about menstruation, most of us don't have a deep understanding of how it works or what the body is doing. This results in increased stress, decreased sexual desire, sleepless nights, and sometimes unwanted pregnancy. What would it be like if every young woman grew up understanding her body to this degree? It could change the world. It could eliminate unintended pregnancy. It could help girls feel excited about and empowered by their monthly flow rather than ashamed and embarrassed. Since most of us don't get this kind of education while growing up, I put together a special free training called Understanding the Female Body and Cycle. Just go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com to get access today. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Welcome back, everybody. Sherry, I would love to talk more about female anatomy. So there's just so much that's missing from our collective education. And I know that you are a wealth of wisdom and information. And so I really would like to tap that for our audience. So let's talk about female anatomy and what would you like to share about people, you know, with people about it? Well, a lot. Uh, yes. Let's start with, um, as we said, the sort of what's missing from this picture. Mm-hmm. So when we think of uh, female pleasure parts, we think about the clitoris or what we've been taught is the clitoris. And that is one part of a three-part structure. Um, but that's not even the only structure. We have a network, a, a bunch of different structures that are semi-loosely connected. And uh, I like to think of that as what I call the female erectile network. And I call it that because all of these structures are made out of erectile tissue. Now, erectile tissue is what penises are made out of. So we already, we already pretty much know what it can do. Erectile tissue can, can fill up with blood. The blood gets trapped in there. Um, and just like a penis goes from small and soft to big and hard and dark, red, or even, you know, purple, and hot because it's filling up with blood. So that's the magic of erectile tissue. 
women um, have just as much erectile tissue as men. So if you are a vagina owner, you have as much erectile tissue as a penis owner does. It's arranged differently. And most of it is hidden and inside. But we can find it all. That's the, that's the, fun, that's the fun home play assignment I like to give people is to, uh, if you own the equipment, you can do this on yourself. If you don't, you'll need a lab partner to uh, run your experiment. But you can find and feel almost all of the structures I talk about. And um, um, you can also, you can go to my website. I've got a bunch of blogs and I have some illustrations there so you can get a, a clue if you get the book or one of the online courses, you can, you can get even more details. But basically, we've got this network of structures, the clitoral structures, the three clitoral structures, the head of the clitoris, the shaft, and the legs. And we've got what the part I mentioned before, the vestibular bulbs, big wads of erectile tissue under the labia. And then we've got two more um, structures that are more internal. We've got erectile tissue that surrounds the urethra, uh, the bottom of which is what people are now calling the G-spot, which is a name I hate because um, it was named after a man who doesn't have one. Um, and it's not a spot. It's actually a tube of erectile tissue. Um, and then there's also erectile tissue under the floor of the vagina. And again, it's very useful, I think, to go look at the illustrations because then you can get a better idea of how, where it is and how it all fits together. But uh, once you get all of those parts engorged, the arousal and the pleasure potential expand enormously. And uh, for, for many of us, I know for me, before I knew I had all these parts, and I didn't know they were there, so I wasn't playing with them, and my partners didn't know, and they weren't playing with them, um, I, could still have, I could still have orgasms. I could still get turned on. I could have orgasms. I thought, you know, I could have sometimes two or three in a lovemaking session, which I thought was really amazing and awesome. Um, but it was actually as if I was playing the piano, and I thought I had 22 keys on my piano. Right? I was able to make pretty good music with those keys on my piano, but suddenly I discovered I had 88 keys and foot pedals and the music that I could make or the arousal and pleasure and orgasms that I could have were exponential. So once we find all the parts we have and we really learn how to uh, make amazing erotic music with them, it, it changes your experience in such a fundamental, so such a foundational way that, uh, well, it caused me to want to teach everybody all about it and write the books and get the message out. So everybody else would be going like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. So that's my mission. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how do we find this erectile tissue and how do we get it engorged? Like, how do we wake it up? Well, a couple of things that are useful to know. First is to understand how erotic energy tends to operate for most female-bodied people. Mm -hmm. And um, I like to use the pussies and puppies model that I made up. All right, let's hear it. So that is um, pussy cats and puppy dogs. They, they both love to play, but you play with them differently. <laughs> You approach them differently. They're different, different kinds of animals. So for, uh, for many women, most of the time, we're more like pussycats. And how do you approach a pussycat? Do you just like run up and 
start rubbing its belly? I don't think so because it's going to run away, maybe scratch you on the way out. Uh, you have to make that connection. Mm-hmm. And then you start uh, petting the cat in the safer, less vulnerable areas of its body. You rub its cheeks, around its ears. And then as the pussycat learns to trust you and that you're safe and you know how to give pleasure, sooner or later they will relax and unfold and open and you will get that purring puddle of pussy that you were after. Mm-hmm. Um, so understanding that, turn on the whole body, create safety, create mm-hmm. connection, uh, take your time, pay attention to the signals that the pussycat is giving you, right? Because a real cat can't say, no, I don't like that. Right. They just start to kind of close up. Right, put their ears uh, down, tighten uh, up, the tails change, the energy of the tail changes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but if you're paying attention, you read your pussycat, you know, oh, that was a little too much. Let me back off a little. Let me be more gentle. Let me pet a different way. And when you see your pussycat relaxing and opening and wanting more, then you give the pussycat more. So, Mm -hmm. uh, and just to uh, dogs tend to operate differently. Most dogs, you can be rubbing their belly in about 30 seconds. Yeah. All you have to do is look at my dog and she's on the floor, legs out, belly Mm -hmm. up, you know. Rub it, rub it. Please touch it. Please touch it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, that's similar to many penis owners. Mm-hmm. that their erotic energy might start in a very genitally focused way. And they're very happy to start uh, play with genitally focused activities. Pussycats, not usually. <laughs> right. Right. Got to warm up. That's why we were talking about foreplay, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, in fact, I like to use warm up better than foreplay. Yes, actually, I like that because better. Mm-hmm. Foreplay sounds like it's the thing before the main course instead of going, it's all, it's all play. It's all, it's all play. It's all it's fun. All. It's all right. it's there to make you feel good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, taking your time, warming up, turning on the mind, turning off the thinking brain, letting the centers of vigilance in our brain that protect us, letting them go to sleep and go mm-hmm. like, I don't need to be on now because it's safe. All of those mm-hmm. things. Um, yeah. And, and dogs, dogs are so awesome, right? They're so, they're enthusiastic, right? When you say to your dog, you want to go for a walk? Your dog's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You say to a, a guy or a person who has that core erotic energy, mm-hmm. often guys, not always, usually, um, but you say to them, hey, you want to have sex? They're like, yeah, let's go, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, understanding that those differences and, and, uh, and also knowing, by the way, sometimes even though I'm a pussycat, I might be in a puppy dog mood. Sure. (laughs) It can happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just got to read the room, right? You know? Uh 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 Right. So um, that all being said, when you start genital pleasuring, um, also understand that the erotic energy tends to start on the outside and then move in. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? It means you want to stimulate the more outer parts of the genitals. Of course, but we've taken lots of time to get there and, mm-hmm. and pleasured everything around it and teased and, and delighted and all that other stuff. But when you get to those genitals, don't go diving into the vagina. That's for high-level arousal. That's, that you do that later, but you start mm-hmm. with the more external parts. Learn where all the erectile tissue is. Play with the vestibular bulbs, which you can access from uh, under the labia. 
like playing with the labia and you can play with the most of the parts of the clitoris from the outside. Mm -hmm. And then only when the woman is really, really ready um, is it time to go inside. And even that should be slow and gentle. And then you can start playing with the more internal erectile tissue. Mm -hmm. And when everything is engorged, that might be the time for penetrative sex. Okay. I think, I think we have a, I used to call it an epidemic of uh, premature penetration, but mm. now I'm calling it a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> we have, we have a, a pandemic of premature penetration. Mm-hmm. So that if you partner That's with your somebody PPP, with a, right? Exactly. <laughs> PPP loans. Yeah. So oh, if pandemic uh, humor, <laughs> sorry, gotta have some, right? It's the only they can get us through. Um, <sighs> but if you have a a, a, a partner with a penis mm-hmm. and they have an erect penis, a lot of times um, couples are moving into intercourse, right? Usually, way before the vagina owner is ready to have penetration. Mm-hmm. And I'll just give you a, a, a couple of statistics. For most women, it takes 30 to 45 minutes to get thoroughly and totally aroused. Mm-hmm. Most couples in the U.S., um, their sexual uh, activity together, including everything that they do from, from whatever, the first touch or kiss till they're done, lasts about 12 minutes. Yeah, so this mm-hmm. might be why we have a lot of very unhappy women who are. Yeah, I was going to say that's why. Yeah, that's why we, maybe women aren't so crazy about sex and not so satisfied, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so Three-hour like, sex date. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was teaching a class, and I was referring to a a five-hour sex date, and somebody was like, "How on earth did you find a man who could keep an erection for five hours?" Um, you know, or have intercourse for five hours. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> I did not mean that. It wasn't five hours of intercourse or even five hours of an erection. It was five hours of the whole sexual, sensual playtime, mm-hmm. which did include some intercourse and did include sometimes when the penis wasn't hard. Mm-hmm. And it's part of reframing what sex is and what it means and what we do instead of looking at it as, how soon can we get a heart on and how soon can we get the penis in the vagina and how soon can the man ejaculate? Right. Uh, it's looking at it as an erotic encounter um, that can go on as long as you want and include many, many different activities and, um, and is more of a, more of a jam session <laughs> than a three minute radio song. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> on that note we're going to take a quick commercial break and when we come back uh, we are going to make some more music <laughs> get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on twitter Find us at Voice America TRN or twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN. If you don't want to be pregnant, one of the most nerve wracking experiences is a late period. Lying in bed, wondering, worrying, waiting for menstruation to arrive, praying that your period will come. 
It's very stressful. Even though many of us are taught about menstruation, most of us don't have a deep understanding of how it works or what the body is doing. This results in increased stress, decreased sexual desire, sleepless nights, and sometimes unwanted pregnancy. What would it be like if every young woman grew up understanding her body to this degree? It could change the world. It could eliminate unintended pregnancy. It could help girls feel excited about and empowered by their monthly flow rather than ashamed and embarrassed. Since most of us don't get this kind of education while growing up, I put together a special free training called Understanding the Female Body and Cycle. Just go to holisticsexedradio.com to get access today. Everyone wants more pleasure, yet pleasure is an uncomfortable topic. Would you be surprised to know that most women have never taken the time to fully explore their bodies in intimate or erotic ways? That's why I'm hosting a powerful and long overdue web class on understanding female pleasure. Go to holisticsexedradio.com and click on the web class link at the top of the page for more information and to register for understanding female pleasure today. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at holisticsexedradio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Welcome back, everybody. Sherry, so as you were just talking about all this stuff, what I was thinking to myself, okay, so let's, let's imagine a scenario where we have two lovers together. One of them is a vagina owner. And let's say we want to like wake up her erotic tissues, you know, get them fully engorged before we actually dive in for the penetrative intercourse. And so like, what would you say to the partner whose goal is to accomplish these things? Like, how would you start? Like, what would you do? What areas would you stroke? Like, could you kind of like lead us through a scenario of somebody who maybe has never tried to wake up these parts before and engage in these kinds of warm-up practices? Can we just kind of like lay out what it might look like? We can try keeping in mind, of course, your mileage may vary. Absolutely. Um, and also that this is a creative play. Yes. So I don't want to say like number one, number two, number three. However, I will give some general guidance. So, so first of all, it's great to try and connect with your partner uh, in, a, in an energetic and physical entrainment. So a great way for any partners to start, whatever kind of equipment you have, um, might be doing some breathing and sounding together. Another uh, option would be maybe putting on your favorite music and dancing together. So uh, these would be sort of physical things that you can do together to start getting your, your heart rate, your respiratory rate, your brain waves, your heart waves, getting them all in sync with each other. So that's a, a good idea just to start with. Um, another thing might be to um, do some massage. That's another great way to start playing and pleasuring. So if, you, um, if you're the puppy dog person and you're partnered with a pussycat person, uh, maybe you want to, you know, tell your pussycat to just like lie down on a massage table or on a blanket or a bed and you're going to take whatever, pick an amount of time. You're going to take X amount of time 
and they just can lie there and receive. They don't have to do anything. They don't have to give anything back. And you're just going to get some nice oil. Maybe you put on some music and you're just going to stroke them and touch them all over. Um, not so much the genitals, not so much the boobs, basically. Avoiding the really uh, the super sensitive spots, just basically trying to wake up the entire body from head to toe. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to start. I love that. Yeah. Right. And massage for me is so central. Like it's almost like it's up on the level of orgasm, you know, like a nice good massage is like, oh, yeah, I'm totally yeah. <laughs> down yeah, with that. It's too. a great way to start. Yeah. Wake up the body. Wake up the body. Also, it's it's sending different messages. One, I'm, I really love pleasuring you, mm-hmm. giving you pleasure. doesn't have to be reciprocal. You can just receive. Um, and and we, need to, we need that message often because a lot of times in our sexual play, we feel like, well, my partner does something nice for me. Now I should do something nice for them. And there's this uh, back and forth of, you know, and, and that's not that that's a bad thing, but it's really a, a gift to not have to give back and just right. receive. No expectations. And by the way, yeah, we can, we can reverse that also. We can take a turn where we do that for our partner as well. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of uh, having, uh, taking turns or doing things both ways or tonight we do it one way and tomorrow we do it the other way. Anyway, mm-hmm. so um, that's a lovely way to start. Um, most women have uh, spots that are particularly... Uh, sensual and arousing, uh, like the back of our neck, the back mm-hmm. and the sides of our neck, um, is a good one for most women. This is like rubbing the cat's ears. Almost all cats like it when you like rub around their ears. Almost all women really like it mm-hmm. <laughs> if you uh, softly lick and kiss and nibble on the back of our neck. This is actually an animal, primal mammal thing. Mm-hmm. Like watch lions mating and the male bites the female in the back of the neck right right mm-hmm. <laughs> right yeah that just goes right down your spine into your mm-hmm. genitals it's mm-hmm. really nice mm-hmm. um so finding those spots for your partner and this is a fun game you can play where your your partner can you know well i love having the back of my knees you know really lightly licked or mm-hmm. um you know, I love having my toes sucked whatever it is mm-hmm. so find out what those things are for your partner uh, the non-genital uh, intense pleasure centers. Um, kissing can be a wonderful, fabulous warm-up. And uh, I encourage uh, that to be part of your play. Mm-hmm. Now, when you're starting to head, let's, let's use the breasts as an example. Um, so the breasts are um, something that uh, breast owners often enjoy having them pleasured. Um, Our partners often enjoy playing with them. And so we really need to be thoughtful about how we we do it. Because if I I feel like my partner is just fondling my breasts just because it's going to get him off, but it isn't attuned to what I like, that's going to be a turnoff. Right. Right. So to be very mindful when you're, touching parts of the body, maybe the butt is another good example of, you know, it's a mutual turn on, but if it's all about the partner's pleasure, who's getting to do the fondling, it's not going to work so well. So, so our intention when we're we're pleasuring somebody is really important. Um, And then we want to get to the most sensitive parts last. 
and also teasing and tantalizing and creating anticipation. Right. So say you're rubbing the cat's, uh, you're, you're rubbing under the cat's chin. You know, they love that thing where you're rubbing under their chin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What would happen if you just stop for a moment? The next thing you know, they're pushing their head into your hand, saying more, I want more. So this is some, another way we can play. We, we give some pleasure and then maybe we pause or maybe we back up a little and that makes our partner go, oh, I, I want more of that. We want that. We want to create that wanting more. Mm-hmm. So again, so if you're pleasuring the breast, you might start by sort of circling around the outside of the breast. Knowing that the nipple is the most sensitive part, you don't start there. You don't start with nipples. You never start with nipples. They're too sensitive, right? So you start with the rest of the breast and then maybe you go to the belly and then maybe you come back to the edges of the breasts and then maybe you go to the side and then maybe you come back again. By this point, your partner's wanting more breast stimulation, Mm -hmm. right? Then maybe you go to the areola, which is very different uh, nerve endings from the nipple. Um, And at that point, you might do a little rhythmic squeezing of the areola, which is what areolas are designed for. That's how babies nurse. Right. Okay. So you might do that, but avoiding the nipple, right? And then maybe you back off and do something else. And then maybe you come back and maybe you almost touch it, but then you don't, but then maybe you do, but then mm-hmm. you don't. And Damn, then you are one tease. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, pussy cats love being teased, generally speaking. Yes, I know. Generally I speaking. But you mm-hmm. got to, you know, your mileage may vary. You might have a pussy cat who really hates that, mm-hmm. right? So you're always going to be checking. And then maybe when you do get to playing with the nipple, you start with just the lightest of licks, knowing how sensitive it is. Um, as we get more and more aroused, a sensation that might have been painful or irritating at low-level arousal yep. now can feel amazing. Yep. So like a, a squeeze of the nipple at low-level arousal would, could be painful or just make you want to give your partner a smack because it's irritating. Right. Mm-hmm. high-level arousal, that might feel great. Mm-hmm. Right? I think, mm-hmm. yeah, that's yeah, an important same, point. Mm-hmm. The same with the genitals. You, you start by... Start at the toes and take 10 minutes to work your way up the legs. By the time you get to the crotch, your partner's going to want to have you in their crotch in some way, right? Right. Um, and then maybe you just brush your hand over and go down the other leg. At that point, your partner's now really building up that wanting. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to do. And that's how you be a masterful lover. So, and then the same with the, with the genitals. You start on the outside. You start with the more general raw, diffuse stimulation, and then as the engorgement happens and arousal builds, then you might go to the more uh, specific, precise kinds of um, stimulation. Mm -hmm. And so for like the genitals, um, like say the the vaginal area, the the vulva, um, would you suggest like massaging like the external areas of the vulva, you know, first to kind of like wake things up and then like slowly moving into the other tissues before you actually get into the part where you're penetrating. And maybe when it comes time for penetration, you're maybe teasing a little bit before you actually like go in all the way type thing. Absolutely. Exactly what you said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly Mm -hmm. what you said. Mm -hmm. In fact, 
Um, the best time for penetration is when your partner is begging you for penetration. Yeah, you know, and as you're talking yeah. about this stuff, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, back over my life where I've had like encounters where, you know, like where I've just been like super ready, like give me that penis already, you know, kind of thing. Uh-huh. And where, or other situations where, you know, I mean, it's fine and everything, but I, like I didn't have that same level of desire or buy-in kind of thing. And, and then as you're talking about like building up that anticipation and teasing, you know, kind of thing, like until the point where you like, you really want it kind of thing. And, you know, over the years, like I've worked with a lot of women, you know, who have experienced pain with sex and that type of thing. And where, you know, say penetration without that proper warming up can be quite painful when you've had that warming up and she's lubricated and ready and juicy and then at that point the penetration and actually like you're saying you know is actually very pleasurable whereas before you know before she was actually ready you know it's totally different situation and I think too when moving too quickly sexually that can also cause women to kind of retreat and shut down like maybe lose some of their desire and arousal because it's moving too quickly and they're not feeling maybe as safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. You just, that's, that's all right on the mark. And, and I would add that uh, lubrication is a sign of early arousal. Um, so don't mistake lubricated for ready for penetration. Okay. Um, you really want not only full engorgement of the genitals, but high level arousal and, um, Arousal is an altered state of consciousness. It's a trance state. And so you really want to be deeply into that trance of arousal and fully engorged prior to penetration. Um, so that all being said, what you were talking about, though, about the really wanting it um, is, is the key. And I think we need to, I'll speak for myself, I needed to train myself how to be a better guardian of my gate. Because when I first started having sex, I, well, I had no language. I had no communication skills. I had none of this information or these maps or models. So I was pretty much going along with whatever my partner wanted to do. And generally, most of them were penis owners. And usually what they wanted to do was get that in there. And so I did. And it was okay. Sometimes it was really good. But as I became more aware and... Um, understanding of my own needs and my own body and and how to talk and how to communicate and how to set boundaries, uh, I realized I needed to be the one determining uh, when it was time. And if it wasn't time or if something, if we're having intercourse and it felt good and then it stopped feeling great, I had to be the one to kind of go, oh, let's take a break from that. Let's do something else or I'm not quite ready for that. And then learn, in fact, ways to say it in an erotic and, and, um, a, a turn on kind of way, as opposed to, no, don't do that. Cause that's not fun for anybody. People go like, Oh, I, I know you'd love to be in there now. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really looking forward to the, to having you there also not quite ready yet, but when, you know, let's do this. And, and then that, and then I bet I'm really going to love it then. Right. So just to, how do we can do a, a positive erotic spin on it? Um, you know, well, it's going to be even better if we wait a little longer. Mm-hmm. And also about just things like we've got this cultural map of intercourse, which is that it's about this kind of pounding in and out, yeah. and uh, which is a very limited um, uh, movement. It's, it's one movement you can have in your repertoire for sure, um, best at super high level arousal. 
Um, but there's all these other intercourse movements we can do, more of a rocking, pulsing, slow, partially in. I mean, just lots, lots more that can be in the repertoire of, of intercourse. So even being able to, to say to a partner, you know, I'd be ready for some very gentle um, penetration and then we'll then let's wait and then let's see and let's pulse together and breathe together and make some sounds rock our hips and then get to uh, more of a fast and furious as opposed to we just start out by um, quickly um, inserting the penis all the way thrusting the penis deeply and quickly that's often porn not style porn style <laughs> yeah. that's, that's part a big part of the problem right there though mm-hmm. I mean we mm-hmm. really have to notice that the um, education we're getting from porn is a bad education. It's, it's not, not good showing good technique at all. So mm-hmm. that's not the model to be using for how to, how, to, how to give and get way more pleasure. Yeah, gosh. And you just said so much in this last part. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> I want to talk about the guardian of the gate. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about that. And we need to take a quick commercial break, but we will come back and talk about some of this stuff some more. So <laughs> we'll be right back. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Everyone wants more pleasure, yet pleasure is an uncomfortable topic. Would you be surprised to know that most women have never taken the time to fully explore their bodies in intimate or erotic ways? That's why I'm hosting a powerful and long overdue web class on understanding female pleasure. Go to holisticsexedradio.com and click on the web class link at the top of the page for more information and to register for understanding female pleasure today. If you don't want to be pregnant, one of the most nerve-wracking experiences is a late period. Lying in bed, wondering, worrying, waiting for menstruation to arrive, praying that your period will come. It's very stressful. Even though many of us are taught about menstruation, most of us don't have a deep understanding of how it works or what the body is doing. This results in increased stress, decreased sexual desire, sleepless nights, and sometimes unwanted pregnancy. What would it be like if every young woman grew up understanding her body to this degree? It could change the world. It could eliminate unintended pregnancy. It could help girls feel excited about and empowered by their monthly flow rather than ashamed and embarrassed. Since most of us don't get this kind of education while growing up, I put together a special free training called Understanding the Female Body and Cycle. Just go to HolisticSexEdRadio.com to get access today. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. So, yes, it was Sherry. You just like triggered so many thoughts in my mind here. But really what I I think I want to talk about next is I'm just thinking about all the women who actually struggle having orgasms. And, you know, how can we like build up um, 
how can we practice and, and get good at having orgasms? I mean, because we have so much erectile tissue and I know that there's, I don't know, probably a dozen different ways to have an orgasm or different types of orgasms. And so I would really just kind of like to, to explore that conversation a little bit. That's a great conversation to have because something like 10% of women have not yet found their path to orgasm. And um, another substantial, larger percentage of women uh, don't have an assured path. They might have one sometimes, but not all the time. And this causes a, a lot of stress and, and it, it can feel traumatic. And like I said before, a lot of women feel like there's something wrong with them, that they're broken. Mm-hmm. And that's an awful feeling. And so the first thing I want to say, the most important thing is nobody's broken. This is just stuff you haven't learned how to do yet. It would be like saying, hey, do you know how to play the piano? And you're like, no, I never learned. Okay, no shame. It's just stuff you haven't learned yet, and you can learn it if you want to. So our path to orgasm is the same. It's learnable. We can learn how to get there. And then we can learn how to expand our pathways and get there in lots of different ways. And uh, we also can discover how the, the land of orgasm is really this vast realm. And there's lots of different orgasmic experiences we can have. Um, the next thing that's important to say is there's no right way to get there. <laughs> there's no wrong way. There's uh, just discovering what works for you. Mm-hmm. And the best way to learn how to play your own instrument is by playing your own instrument. You've got to have solo sex. All right, you don't have to. I hate to say anybody has to do anything. But it, if you don't know how to play your instrument, how is somebody else going to help you play it or play mm-hmm. it for you? Right? Mm-hmm. So our solo sex is our learning laboratory. It's our rehearsal hall. It's our self-care spa right? It's our me time. So there's so many important things that we're doing when we're self-pleasuring. And it's, it's uh, by the way, I do not use the word masturbation because masturbation means to pollute with your hand. That's the, the root of that word. I never liked the word anyway before I learned that, but um, that is just, just not doing it. Solo sex. Your sexual relationship with yourself is your foundational relationship. Mm-hmm. This is, this is the, the core relationship. Everything else that you do with everybody else is built off of that. So start by pleasuring yourself. And it doesn't have to be focused on orgasm. It can just be focused on doing your home play assignment and learning all about your genitals and what you've gotten where. And then it can be running experiments with how does it feel when I do this? How does it feel when I do that? What happens when I do this slow? What happens if I take five minutes and I touch myself all over and then I touch my genitals? What happens? And that's your job is to run experiments. Make up your own experiments, but that's the question. My, hi- my hypothesis is, <laughs> and then test it. And notice what works. Notice what gives you pleasure. Notice what doesn't. Um, paying attention to the fact that a particular move may not be that pleasurable when you're in low-level arousal. But if you get really turned on, that same move might now be very effective. So run those experiments. Um, Learn how to use your whole toolkit. And by that, um, I have this model uh, that we uh, are all come equipped with uh, multiple toolkits of mind, body, heart, and spirit. For example, we have the mind tool of awareness, of noticing what's happening, what's going on with our body, what's working, what's not. Um, We have tools of the heart, like courage, 
the, the courage to do something that might feel a little weird or uncomfortable, but doing it anyway because we know that's what we need to do. Um, and things like body tools, uh, breath, sound, movement, vision, and, uh, and for those who resonate with it, spiritual tools. How do we make this a ritual? Instead of, I'm just going to have sex with myself, I'm going to light some candles, I'm going to say a prayer, I'm going to make a beautiful altar to my body, um, and then I'm going to self-pleasure, right? So just different ways of playing and framing um, and figuring out how to use those tools. But the, the key tools are breath and sound and movement and touch. So if I'm touching myself, what happens when I start breathing more intensely? What happens when I allow myself to make sounds of pleasure, when we liberate our sounds of pleasure? Uh, what happens when I rock my hips? What happens if I put on really uh, rock and music and dance for, you know, really intensely for 10 minutes and then do it. So these are all different ways we can practice and play and pleasure and um, find out about your anatomy. Get, you know, get the book, <laughs> take the online class, go read the blog posts on my website, um, find out what you've got. And, uh, and that's how you learn to play your instrument. And when you do those things, and you self-pleasure, and you use your, all of your skills or the skills that you most resonate with, really, um, you will find your path to orgasm. It will become more assured as you use it more often. And then you can learn how to go from proficiency, um, starting out as what you might call an orgasmic novice. You haven't learned yet, but you will, mm -hmm. um, to orgasmic proficiency. I can get there sooner or later, one way or another, I can find my path to orgasm uh, to mastery. And mastery means I got lots of ways to get there and, uh, and lots of theirs to go to. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you become a, an erotic virtuoso. So that's awesome. a short course. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, once you learn and understand your body too, then you can communicate what feels good to your partner and you can show them what you enjoy and then, you know, opens the avenue to explore and try new things and, you know, maybe you discover things that you didn't try, you know, try before. Absolutely. But yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, and you were talking to you before, um, I just kind of want to go back a little bit about the whole energetic piece of it. Um, you know, I think that's a really important part in, you know, a lot of people haven't necessarily been taught to tune into your partner's energy kind of thing, like to read, you know, what's going on in the body. Because, you know, when you're engaged sexually, a lot of times the verbal isn't happening as much, you know, we're very much in our bodies and it can be difficult to communicate, you know. So that's why a lot of times, you know, you'll hear people say, you know, if you want to discuss something about your lovemaking, have it at a time when you're not actually having sex so that you can have a conversation about it because mm -hmm. yeah during massage during intense pleasure during lovemaking it can be very hard to form words <laughs> mm -hmm. it's an advanced skill i think yes uh -huh. it really is so in, in fact i recommend you have three different kinds of, of um activities you have play where you're actually having sex and it's like a that spontaneous jam session with yourself or another musician or trio whatever you like um but also that talking about sex when you're not having it, we're just sitting down and having a conversation. How's it going? What can we make better? What's working? What's not? Um, 
And then, especially when something's not working or you want to you want to make it better, then you develop a game to play in the playpen, which is a time and space that you set aside to play a learning game. So, for example, I find it really hard to talk when I'm having sex, like many people, um, but I'm really good at making sound, but my partner may not understand what my sounds mean. Right. So, let's have a, let's have a playpen about that. And here, you'll, you can massage my feet, and I will make sounds, and then I will tell you what the sound meant, and then I will make the sound, and you will tell me what you think the sound means or something. Oh, right. We uh-huh. make that a game and there's an infinity of games. I just made that up as we were talking. That's awesome. um, uh, we can have games uh, in classes. I used to do a, a game where you massaged your partner's feet with no feedback whatsoever. And then we would do a round where you could use sound for feedback. And then we would do a round where we would use simple words and I would help people what are, the, what are the positive erotic ways to make requests or give feedback? Um, so a game like that is really useful. And then you switch partners and do it the other way. And, and then you start expanding your, um, your skill set. Or you could say, for example, you notice um, as my partner gets more and more excited, he often does things faster and faster. <laughs> and that doesn't always work for me. Sometimes I want the rhythm to be steady. For example, right. mm-hmm. so we could have a conversation about that, and then we said, "Let's have a playpen and come up in with, in, with signals." Right. So we came up with a signal where I can tap, and when I tap on his hand or shoulder or head or whatever, he knows that's the rhythm I want. We mm-hmm. develop that in a playpen, and then we bring it back into our sets play. Now, instead of me having to have a whole conversation about like, oh, I see you're getting excited and now you're going really fast and I wanted you to stay there, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Forget all that. Now I've got a little shorthand, a little code, Mm -hmm. right? It could just be a word. It could just be steady or or we uh, we worked on one about speed Mm -hmm. because I would ask for something to be slower and he would go a little slower, but it wasn't the slower I wanted. (laughs) Oh, huh. So we started working on like really slow. What is really slow? What is what is a little slow? A little bit slower. Really slow. Super slow. Right. Right. Now we've got a shorthand code that we can use during sex that we developed in our playpen. Mm, I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think you have a lot of time that you're spending like having fun and playing. <laughs> In your world. <laughs> it sounds like something that's really important to you. <laughs> it is important to me. And I yeah. have to say what's interesting in pandemic world is um, it's, I think, there's a whole other set of challenges when you live together and you're together all the time about how to create desire and, uh, you know, it's stressful and there's a lot of togetherness. So there's a whole other set of of partner challenges that I think are arising for many people during the pandemic because it's actually can be hard to shift into pleasure when we're feeling stressed uh, and when, you know, we've just not seen anybody but our partner all day long, every day for days. Right. So yeah, yeah. That's a whole, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah, I know. And there's, there's really so much to talk about. I mean, we, i truly feel like we've only scratched the surface here and I know that to be true. Um, uh, you know, I'd love to have you back on the show again sometime and, and continue this conversation. It's been a real pleasure. 
I know that you, um, oh, you were going to say something? I would love to come back, so happy to yeah. talk to you. Yeah, it would be great. And I know that you brought a little something for our people, Hergasmic Abundance Online class. Can you tell mm-hmm. people a little bit about that? Yeah, so Hergasmic Abundance is focused on, on women's orgasm and about become, becoming more proficient and then expanding the pleasure you can have. Um, it's also great for people who partner with women. And in fact, almost all of the techniques are somebody, uh, whatever kind of body you have, um, you can use because they are using things like breath and sound and skills that we all have. So if you want to hear more about that, you can uh, check out that. Uh, it's like an hour-long online online class awesome and we'll post yeah. all those links there in the show notes and we'll make sure that we have links to your website and your blog and also your book because i think that is an essential book for everybody's library <laughs> i really do and i'll just mention at this point the book is available as a physical book and as a kindle but it's also available as an audio with some downloadable uh, PDFs of the images. Okay. And it's available in German and in Spanish. Awesome. Multi-language. Actually, I remember when you were doing the, uh, the Spanish version. Congratulations for getting that complete. That took forever. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It was quite a while ago. I don't know actually when you were able to complete it, but I remember years ago you were working on it. So, yeah. Oh, Congratulations. Lot, like many things, it took a lot longer than we thought it would, but... It's here now. So yeah, it's, worth, it's it. worth it in the end. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks so much, Sherry, for being with us today. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Well, the pleasure is shared. So thank you so much for having me. Mm. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us today. While these conversations may be difficult at times, the rewards are well worth it. We have the power to change the world by what we teach our kids. Join host Robin LaCrosse next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another thought-provoking conversation. Thank you and have a beautiful day.